You're listening to Lost and Sound, a podcast exploring music, identity, and the future. believe that one of the best ways we come together is through music and through this series I'm looking at how music can and is bringing us together now and in the future. From my base in Berlin we'll be meeting artists from a range of disciplines from all across the world who are drawing on music right now, some already exploring new ways of doing this. Hey, how are you doing? I hope you're good. I hope you're really good. It is summer again in Berlin. I just love how instantly the city transforms into this summer paradise when this happens. I woke up this morning. I put some sun cream on and the smell of sun cream. I don't know about you, but with me, it just transports me to a million summer memories. Um, I think it's the olfactory, however you say it, sense thing. It, it's so transportive, isn't it? It's like, it's like hearing an Ibiza hit on the radio from a few years ago. And I'm in Hassenheide Park in Neukölln in Berlin. And today on the show, you're going to hear the first face-to-face interview on Lost and Sound for about half a year, I think the last one was Ellen Alien, and that was like in mid-September time, I think. Obviously, there's obvious reasons why there hasn't been one since. Um, but with the guest today, the guest is vaxxed up, and we both took a test on the day anyway, and I went to his studio in a secret location in Berlin to conduct the interview. And the interview is with Roman Flugel. I was so excited about this. The DJ, producer, chameleon-like force of nature across electronic music over the last 30 years, really. I'm a massive admirer of so much of his work and and i think particularly the albums that he's he's put out in the last bunch of years like happiness is happening and all the right noises have have really really transported me to somewhere else they for someone who beforehand i thought was primarily a, a dance floor dj these albums really really are transportative is that a word transportative i don't know for me anyway transportative affairs and his new album eating darkness which came out on friday may the 7th which coincidentally is the day we actually did the interview follows and grows on this line it's an incredible piece of music and i was super excited a little bit nervous 
because it had been a long time and I, I, I kind of felt like, oh my God, if, if I've forgotten how to interview people face to face, I'll let you be the judge of that. This is what happened. Okay, good. Fantastic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much for chatting with me today, Roman. Um, how are you doing? I'm okay, actually. Yeah, it's release day. I'm a bit, a bit excited, to be honest. And uh, I've been working at the studio the, old, the whole day again mm. on a remix. So that's my, yeah, it's my daily life right now. <laughs> and has it been quite nice, like, on a release day to have a, a remix to kind of <laughs> occupy your mind? Well, it's, it's, I would say it's both ways because it's, um, it's occupying in a good way, but also at the same time, there's this certain excitement plus the relief at the same time when you have a release. And uh, I think the um, the remix, to be honest, it, it just had to be done. Mm. So there was no time for opening a bottle of champagne today. <laughs> are, are you quite good with um, deadlines and things like that? Or does ah. it need to be that it has to be done? There need to be deadlines, but I'm, I'm not... Um, I'm not too perfect with them, to be honest. Uh, sometimes I needed two day, two or three days more. To yeah, be honest. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm the same actually. I quite, I can kind of clock that something is going to take a bit longer, and right. you know, and, yeah. And, and it's usually like that. I'm quite happy in the beginning with with the results, and then after a couple of days, I think it's it's not good at all. Mm. So <laughs> you have to start from not from scratch, but yeah yeah you have to start again sometimes or most of, of most of the times do you think this is quite a, a particular thing for being a producer as well in terms that and i'm gonna ask you more a little bit more about this later on but that you're you're being like in a classic sense you're being a, a songwriter a composer and a producer and an editor and a master all at the same time mm. and you need different headsets perhaps to approach the material yeah i think you always have different perspectives if, 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 during the work of a um, of a track or of a song or of a maybe of a whole, whole album. So it always starts with a creative idea, but then suddenly sound comes into um, your focus, and then you, maybe the sound starts to somehow alter the creative idea. So it's like it's going hand in hand somehow, but at the same time, it all starts with a creative like with an idea basically and then all those little things come together and i see myself not as only a producer or only as a composer or only as a musician or whatever it's like it's basically two sides of the same coin mm -hmm. and um it has to everything has to come together to make yourself happy no? at the end of the day so there's no way to i mean there's no way to say the sound it's brilliant. I'm happy, but the song is crap. You know, that doesn't mm. make sense, really. It, it it has to be all together. Yeah. Um, so you're you're being your producer, your own producer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, I like remixing because I. It's kind of a, the feeling of producing someone else. Mm. But um, when it comes to to my own music, I like to be in control of the whole process. <laughs> 
Yeah, and and also congratulations today on Eating Darkness oh, coming you. out yeah. as well. I mean, I love it. I've loved all your albums, but I mean, it's really nice to get this. And I was kind of interested about the story about how it came together. This <laughs> album, when when did um, has it been something that you've been working through this pandemic, this weird kind of period yeah, of time? Kind of, I would say. I mean, the the funny thing or not funny thing was um, beginning of last year. I had this twelve inch coming out of Running Back Garden Party, which which was supposed to be a summer feel good track basically mm. and a party track like you know easy going and suddenly there was no easy going anymore suddenly there was this like first lockdown and then there was no parties at all everything got cancelled of course it's it's um, yeah it's it's it changes your mental setup mm. um, but at the end of the day I think music or even the the album Eating Darkness is always a way to yeah to keep your spirits high you know it's, it's it's something to to stay positive for me and um during the last year I had I had I made the experience again that it's especially that you know it's it's something to get along with the situation rather than you know um making yourself even more depressed yeah, so it was was it like a little bit of therapy for you? Kind, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, making music has always been a kind of therapy, but last year especially, it was it was really helpful because touring is still not allowed and everything. I mean, it's also it's a big yeah. You, you question, you ask yourself so many questions also after all these years now because something like this would never, I mean, would have never come up my, it would have never appeared in my thoughts. No, never, mm, never, no. no, no. I didn't. It didn't appear in my thoughts, even when it was starting to happen. It right. kind of felt like it could have been maybe. Oh, everything's going to close for a couple of weeks. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I thought in the beginning. Yeah. Also, with my agent, we were always, always like, no, no, no. Uh, be patient. The next two months, and then you know they they're going to open, and then it's like, no, no, it's not happening. Yeah, right? it's, yeah. It's, <laughs> this is really the whole it. year is done basically. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and um. I mean, there's always been like a really wide scope of electronic sounds and influences in your music, but there's also been a very consistent dance floor connection mm -hmm. with you as well. But with this album, did not having a dance floor to kind of react with, did that have an impact on the way you, you approached the music? <clears throat> well, I wouldn't say especially with that album because my albums also the ones for Dial were mm. never too dance floor um, orientated, mm. and uh, it's different. It's, it's mostly a different story with 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 twelve inches I put out, but um, with that one it was maybe sometimes even more. I don't know. It was this strange in between feeling. You know, there there might be the opportunity to play it out, but maybe not, and then. I tried. I didn't try to um, focus on a dance floor that wasn't in front of me, and mm. to imagine there must be one or there could be one. It was more like, okay, this is exactly what it's what what it feels like now. It's it's okay, and then let's get along with that, yeah. and wait for for better times to to put out more dance music. Which yeah. I mean, I also produced dance music, but it didn't. Uh, it, it's not. It's not on the album this time. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. It's um, but I mean, at the same time, music and nightlife mm. are so in intrinsically connected. Um, what have you found yourself missing the most? <sighs> I mean, I missed in the beginning. I was like, okay, this could be a little bit of a holiday almost, or a sabbatical or something. But 
honestly, the more months with more pandemic, it, it became more like the whole thing become, became really heavy during the winter, I would say, mm. because I, I mean, the exchange, what we are doing as DJs or as musicians is basically, uh, it's like amplifying feelings or, um, getting people to exchange social um, activities and all that, like all the time. And you're always in front of people having this kind of exchange, whether you just witness it or whether you like part of it or you feel part of it. And I miss, I miss it so much. I mean, I miss so much um, being um, in a room full of people and, 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 and experience something together and having fun. Basically, you know, it's always yeah. about this. I mean, nightlife is, is the aspect is, is to come out and, and, and celebrate together, which is not, which hasn't been possible for many, many months now. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a very sad, uh, thing to witness. It's an, it's an emotional and it's not, just, it goes beyond emotion, doesn't it? It's, it's a, um, I mean, it's a cliche to say, but it's like a form of religion. It's a form of church <laughs> for people. For yeah, honestly, it, it, it always helped me when I was much younger and I got into nightlife. There was no way I could spend a weekend without dancing. It's like it's what it was my my. It was a need to to go on the dance floor and move myself huh? mm. and getting and and getting moved by music was always important. And this is, uh, I mean, for. So many people just stopped like right away. Huh? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, there's good signs that that you know things are going to progressing forward. Hopefully, yeah. and I think and, they will. Yeah, and and um, kind of with that in mind, moving forward, is there? Um, it feels like an interesting time where, when say when dance floors open up again, and also like live music and all its facets, there's been. Um, this period of time without do you feel that there's any opportunity for a kind of a rethink in terms mm. of of how we go forward like maybe a clean s slate in in some <laughs> some regards to certain things maybe. I, I think i think there's already a discussion going on mm. in certain parts of of uh, people who are taking part of nightlife and in certain circles i would say mm. It's it's hard to predict, to be honest, mm. because there's also um, there's there are these circles, but at the same time, there are many people that are not in, in this these kind of circles, and they just want to, you know, maybe they just don't think too much about it and just want to go out again. Mm. And I think it's it's the promoters and the and the people who run clubs who maybe have the opportunity now to rethink. Uh, What's what what nightlife was like in the past couple of decades, maybe already, but um, we will see. It's it's an interesting thing. I think I think within the twenty five years I've been part of this, it's there has been quite a change mm -hmm. in the in the past five to ten years already. But if you're a lot younger than me, you, you wouldn't. I mean, you don't know about it. But it was it was quite different. Yeah. Already, like maybe five years ago, it was it was different. I think things have changed in a way, depending on what kind of music you enjoy, mm. what kind of labels you like, what kind of DJs you like, and I think, um, yeah, that's that's quite a difference. Yeah, yeah. And is there anything like particular that you you would kind of, if you could grant a wish to mm. how um, 
how things will open and and kind of maybe for for dancers and promoters and everyone involved that maybe like a perception that you feel that's maybe missing or has been missing for a while mm. what would you like to see huh. <laughs> for me um the best thing would be if it if if things would be even more mixed up and and diverse i mean it's mm. like something that is really important when i went started to go out i mean the the the, the whole youth culture and all that i think it was fairly different mm. and um the the older i grow the more i i i see the um uh let's say like the like the, the way it worked for many many years mm. and I didn't think too much about it when I was younger, but now I can really see there's there's a need for for a change and still a big need for a change. I mean, as I said, some things have changed already, but I think there has to be even more change. And um, you can see it in, in, like in certain places, people start to take care. Yeah? Mm. If, and if the music is good, most of the time things have changed already. I think it's, it's, it depends on... on what kind of uh, scene you're also, or scene is not not the right word, but what, what kind mean. of circle you're yeah. maybe in, and um, yeah. But I think we all have to, even even myself, I had to ask myself a lot of questions yeah. you know, because it's all like the night life scene, or then it's 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 also there's a lot of people try to keep power also and stay on top all the time. You know? mm. There's quite a fight going on, and. Um, if 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 you asked for let's say diversity then you have to accept there will be many more people beside you taking place uh? mm. and some people just don't want to accept that it's it's, it's hard to accept <laughs> no, when you just want to stay on the top forever yeah which is a, that's a really lovely thing you're saying actually because it's really interesting because it kind of brings me back to what at least i either remember or or read about as well of 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 the early days of house and techno and the kind of utopian kind of hmm. values and the sort of the democracy. Yeah. I mean, that's, but that's also something I had to ask myself, was it really like this? Because I always had the feeling I was taking part of a group of people who were really open-minded and mm. we all went to a place where everyone was welcome. But at the end of the day, already back then I was happy to, when I was allowed to enter the place because there was bouncers at the door who mm. would definitely look for who who's going coming in or not. Um, yeah, so if, if I look at this more closely, I would say it's always about it's it's far away from from equality. You know? I mean, the whole thing has always certain certain like yeah, it's a power a power game in a way, and. Um, I think I think that there's a lot of work to do still. Yeah. Still. But as I would still keep the the dream or I would still say that house music or even techno from the beginning was the maybe like the only scene I I, I know or it was so welcoming because it was it it felt like it was for everyone. I mean, at least it felt like it was. And uh, that was something that was very, very attractive to me when I was um, like starting to produce music in, in that way, like end of 80s, beginning of 90s. I, I had the feeling this is something so positive and something so unique. 
Um, so I, I really thought like, okay, that's, that is something good to work on. And I met people who had felt the same. You know? So going back to Ben, if that's okay, in, in those times, I've read a lot about like how you, you kind of found a kind of sound or you, you kind of were attracted to uh, like going to Frankfurt. Mm. You were living outside Frankfurt yeah. at the time and yeah. like the Omen Club and yes, things like yes. that. So are you talking about this kind of era? It's right. I mean, this is, um, they talk about uh, 88, 89. Mm. And um, that was when I finished high school and I had plenty of time because I, um, when I finished high school, I started to work in, in this like social service. You had to, de back then you had to decide whether you to, to go to the army or to work in the social right, service in Germany. Yeah. yeah. They were still. This is just a little bit pre-reunification. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I did the social service thing, which, which was great because it allowed me to, to go out a lot and be tired at work. Nobody cared really, <laughs> which is brilliant. Huh? Yeah. And I, I earned some money. So. For me, this little adventure on weekends was always very important in the week. And, um, I, I, I discovered, I think like, like this, like first big wave of like, like, uh, house and techno in Germany back then. And, uh, which was, which felt unique and which also, uh, felt like something that might be over after a couple of months because my youth was always defined by trends, like very much, mm. you know, there was a trend and maybe a fashion or something. And then a year later it was over with music was pretty much the same. So I have in the beginning thought like this might not stay forever and let's go for it like big time. And suddenly um, it changed the lives of many. You know? Yeah. Well, I love that idea that thinking it was a trend, you yeah. know, and, and stuff and the feeling of, of, of kind of being immersed in the music for the first little period of time. Um, the, and you kind of mentioned earlier on about like, uh, the kind of maybe, I don't think you said directly, but more like a kind of a wider range of styles of music that would be played in one night. Yeah. And I can see right now there's a front 242 record <laughs> in front. And I, I remember reading about in Frankfurt at the time, there was a lot of this kind of new beat stuff Very that much. was mixing in. Very much. The house. I think before house, and, house music and techno arrived, new beat and uh, this like electronic body music coming from Belgium, like the really like the rough stuff um, that was big in Frankfurt in the Rhein-Main area and uh, DJs like Sven Feit would still play it like at uh, during during the night and uh, at certain times and um, suddenly there was the first Acid House uh, record sneaking in and, 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 and early Detroit techno and that was a very interesting mixture because the, the new beat stuff and the EBM stuff was more it was lacking the funk basically mm. yeah? it's, it's a different energy different different kind of dance you i would say mm. and the, like the all the american music from chicago and, and detroit brought in uh, uh something new some a different rhythm different mm. beat and that was very exciting yeah very it was very uplifting yeah i because it i mean it's talking I remember Keith Richards, and this is about rock. Yeah. <laughs> but he was saying something interesting about how he doesn't really connect. He never really connected with much rock because he felt rock was on a march. 
oh, on beat wise yeah. whereas like the music he liked the rhythm and blues that he and the reggae that he was actually yeah. really into kind of is sort he, he was attracted to the fact that it swung and I kind of felt like with a lot of that the kind of Chicago stuff and even the Detroit stuff that was compared to the new beat which I love as well but uh, there was more of a swing absolutely mm. yeah yeah I would say there was also it, it brought the funk back yeah I mean there was uh, there was quite a time when it was a bit more stiff I would say and, and the German e EBM and, and new beat stuff was maybe extra stiff that was kind of the vibe back then mm. but um, Acid House especially brought back the funk and the and this like crazy uh, yeah it, it's, it's it's like a punk R&B connection somehow I think mm. if you look at it uh, yeah just one of those beautiful times when all of these different things were kind of emerging exactly and linking up and also then you had this thing where not only the, the music was present but also a certain kind of fashion and then we had for the first time we had this like DIY culture maybe in Germany I think in the UK it was already there for many years but in Germany like young people wouldn't open job uh, shops back then and, and sell clothes and it, was, it would be like bigger chains or um, so suddenly there was like new brands new clothing brands and, and, and all that and people would start doing something on their own which was pretty amazing mm. And, and and about that time and kind of moving into the 90s, like you 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 were more based in Frankfurt until very recently. Yeah. Really. And yeah. Um, you're in Berlin now. But back in the 90s, what would you notice were the big kind of differences between between like the major cities mm. really in Germany in terms of like dancing and the, the kind of like you said, the styles and the people? <laughs> yeah, I think I think Berlin from my perspective was always more new wave punk and and uh like this really or industrial mm -hmm. before um berlin became the big magnet like london and the uk or paris in, in france uh it was i would say the the the, the cities had their own scenes mm -hmm. and um that has changed a lot. I think now we're in this strange situation where you have Berlin as the city where everyone looks at. But in the beginning, during the unification, it, it really it took some time before Berlin became the Berlin we know these days, I mm -hmm. would say. And back then, Frankfurt was already this clean business driven money driven uh, city because all like the the the, the german uh, central bank back then and all the big banks uh, are still in, in in frankfurt today even the european central bank is in frankfurt and frankfurt has this little it's this like little um yeah exceptional skyscraper city mm -hmm. and it has a different vibe compared to berlin it still has and it already had back then and uh Berlin was always much more alternative in a way and not as money driven. Mm. So from Frankfurt, it was very important that the kids from the suburbs and outskirts would enter the city on, uh, on weekends because without them, there would have been too much life in the city. Mm. So people would, would, would take the S-Bahn or the, would gather together in a car and would go to Frankfurt on weekends to, to party. And, um, I think that was also important because Frankfurt itself is not too big, but you have the outskirts and the, the cities surrounding Frankfurt and the Rhein-Main area. And then people would come together in this, uh, like, for example, the Omen. The Omen was 
probably 80% people from, from the suburbs and from the outskirts. Yeah, that's really interesting because that, that reminds me a lot more of London in a way, mm -hmm. in, in that, you know, like you're saying, in Berlin, it's all, everything's very integrated into being in the city. Whereas, like, so you're saying with Frankfurt, it was, you would kind of travel into this clean yes. area. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you would, you would enter the clean area and make it a different city at night, I would <laughs> yeah. say. It's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, lo I love that feeling of the city becoming a totally different place at night like that, you know, down to the people. <laughs> right, right. And we had this really strange uh, club in a, in a subway station for a couple of years. And that was an interesting situation because it, when it closed, it closed around midday mm. on Saturdays. So people would come out the club in the city center com completely like, you know, what it feels like what it looks like after spending a night in a club like for maybe 10 or 12 mm. hours and then those people would come up like like zombies and they would end up in this like um, shopping streets you know where, where the people would carry around their bags and, and go for uh, I don't know visiting a, an expensive boutique and you had this like raving like yeah Druggy so and gravy kids in the middle. Yeah, it's, it's, it was really <laughs> funny to see that, especially if you were not part of this. When we, when we went shopping and you saw that, it was mm. like, okay, this is really interesting. <laughs> it's a and, nice combination. And I imagine particularly at the time when when the, the concepts of rave culture and, and dancing and night hadn't filtered through to the people, that, you know, like maybe the rest of society that would never go anyway, but they know about it now. Mm, at the time, mm. it must have been really Yeah, it was strange. I think for most people, it was a bit weird to see those. I mean, most of them were on drugs anyways, you know, mm. so it was like, okay, what are they doing here? Why are they gathering on the street again? And why do they look so sweaty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and and with, with production... You know, like you sort of be making kind of really cutting edge music for a long time now, and over this period of time, um, production techniques and sort of access has yeah. changed. You know, yeah. in terms of like software being readily available. When when you started, you know, uh, I take it there was a lot of kind of manual off the grid kind of activity going on. It um, was. Yeah. It was. I remember when I was. Um, I bought my first uh, drum machine and synthesizer and I did not have a computer back then because it was too expensive, basically, to have a personal computer. So that was about maybe 86, 87. And I would run the uh, the synthesizer, trigger the synthesizer with a rim shot from the drum computer and record, uh, record I would record it on, on a four-track cassette tape. That was mm. the way it, uh, I, I did my first tracks. Then I bought a, uh, um, like an uh, Ensonic EPS 16 plus sampler, which had an eight track sequencer. And that was a game changer. So I mm. could do my tracks with a sampler, uh, which could also control the synthesizer and the drum machine. And I could record, I would record MIDI data into the sequencer, which that was a game changer, mm. even before having my first computer. Yeah, and is there something about the physical process? It was very well. physical, and it was on, not only physical, it was also, I mean, the way you thought about making the track was very different, because you you actually had to write down sometimes the arrangements, you know, make, make, make notes on a piece of paper, because there was no... Um, like there was no no monitor to mm. to work with where you could i mean today everything is so visual when you make when you produce music on a on a computer um that sometimes you forget about um the opportunities not 
watching but rather listening yeah? because that opens uh, doors mm. and uh, and during the production and if you if you if if your attention is caught by the monitor all the time you lose a certain aspect i think that is one of the reasons why uh, you have a producer normally because mm. he has his ears only and can decide things whether the engineer or the musician is always you know somewhere else basically mm. yeah definitely do you still do little techniques like that to kind of kind of stay off the grid from time to time i use my my computer in that way sometimes i just use it as a as a tape machine basically mm. when i do like jams in the studio and record the the, the improvisation and then make edits afterwards mm. so that gives me a lot of freedom i don't know everyone has his own technique but but for me um, just using this like little patterns in like this little uh squares on the monitor is is not too fruitful sometimes yeah yeah definitely i i think i, I remember when i used to make music and when we started out in my band we would um we were using a lot of sequences but we we're putting it all into a four track mm -hmm. and so we'd ha always have to make a decision when we would bounce down the tracks right. you know right. so it'd have to be you'd have to have got the structure down absolutely you know, and, yeah okay yeah. we're gonna put those exactly. together we can't undo those yes yeah. yeah but it gives you a certain feeling no the track gives it gets something something else because there's um also, there's um, yeah, it's it's a bit of a trouble that is always involved in that process. I, I realized that when I was remixing Blomange, mm. and uh, they gave me the original um, material from the I would say it's maybe like an eight-track machine back then or mm. something like that, and I had it on my computer like all these like different tracks that were some of them were like bounced together, others not. But it was all so rough and wobbly at the mm. same time. But the whole pr pr production at the end was super was amazing mm. so it means they were able by 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 using the right engineer i guess to to put everything in place even though it was all on an analog tape machine and it was triggered by by some sort of of, of trigger signal i think that's pretty amazing because of many people maybe just don't know about these techniques anymore i don't know it's, yeah. it's special it's interesting, is it? Did you feel feel like a bit like an archaeologist, kind of? <laughs> <laughs> I was very excited to hear those mm. tracks because I always loved the original, like the single, basically, mm. "Living on the Ceiling." And oh, so it's a yeah, it's, it's a, an amazing yeah. song, and then you hear the the, the way it was put together, mm. which is outstanding. You can't you can't really you don't know these things as long you don't hear the original tapes. And it's a really good example of a song that does have so many different elements coming together to have that experience of taking it apart seeing yeah. you know it's got the kind of like eastern sounding exactly. motifs and, absolutely you know. and there's still this like it's like a band bandish mm. feeling but they use the the electronic equipment so in a way most people wouldn't use them these days i think it's 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 very interesting and i love i love i love all these recordings from back then you're actually talking about that. You're kind of bringing on to the, the current album. I, I read somewhere, it might have been in the press release, to, it was like you were kind of playing around with the idea of having an imaginary band. Yes, I, I've been doing this for many years. Mm. It's something, because when, when you listen to the music I do, there's always this, there's a certain structure where you have the bass and the, and the, and the mids and the, the highs and, and the drums and 
the, so the, the instruments are every instrument is is is, is, is certain frequency mm. somehow which also is part is is it's the case when you have a band i would say there's this like a certain i mean a four piece band puts something like it has all the frequencies basically mm. and uh i learned to to mix music exactly in that way I, it doesn't mean it works for everyone but for me it's something i always come back to I remember, for example, with my former studio partner, with uh, Jörn, when we had this project Alter Ego together, mm. and our su most successful track was um, Rocker, and that was the moment in the studio when 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 we said, okay, we have a three-piece punk band, you know, like that's it, <laughs> yeah. drums, bass, and guitar, and uh, it worked out very well. <laughs> <laughs> it's a classic. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's. <laughs> It was a fun, fun track, but it's, it's what it, it was exactly the idea of having this like three-piece band. Yeah, and do you know? I mean, because you sort of said that. Did it? Do you have a feeling at the time? Well, how, no, I'm going to rephrase that. Um, do your feelings about the material you've done match the reactions that people give? Because like you're sort of talking about with Rocker, you always yeah. had this feeling at the time, and it and it was like went down so well as well. Um, do you ever sort of put something out and go, that really didn't go down how I imagined, either in a good way or a bad way? Of course, yeah. yeah. It's honestly, it's really hard to predict success or failure. It's uh, sometimes you think you have the best, you have a hit, and then nobody cares. It's it's mm. it's amazing how <laughs> how this works. Yes. <laughs> and with with the most successful music I I, I made. It was never planned, which mm. is also a bit frightening. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could, I could just plan the hits, but it it, it didn't happen yet. Yeah, so sometimes it's like, what, really, that one? You like that one? <laughs> yeah, it was like, especially with Rocker, we didn't know what to expect, and suddenly, within a couple of weeks, we had these like crazy reactions and people sending. Back then, I think they were the first phones being able to record or like this, like. Um, digital cameras were able mm. to record a little film. Mm. I think it wasn't the phones, it was the, the digital digital cameras, and people start sending, like DJs start sending little movies, like very short ones, Rocker, and the audience, mm. and we were like, oh, oh, okay, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, wow, yeah, first sort of experience of seeing something played back. Yeah, uh, yeah. and that was also, I mean, also the. The technique of sending out a video was quite new, like a mm. small, you know, video. Now it's that's the only experience we've had in the last year. Of, it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like, I think, um, I think particularly with, I mean, the the albums you've done, like Happiness is Happening, and, and the current one as well. Um, there's such an amount of texture going mm -hmm. on as well, and like, I've, I've, like one of the little details that I really love is say on on Magic Briefcase, mm -hmm. the way it kind of switches to a piano yeah. at the end of that track yeah. sounds like you have really good fun and investigation of what you're doing with, with the textures. I think that is a very important point. Yeah, I love I love to do to to take care of textures and also of these like little things in between. There's always something to find out, I think, and something where you not maybe I hope the listener is not like f able right away to know where this source of texture is coming from. Mm. It's it's um, it's quite important to me. Yeah. It feels like to me like 
there's a lot of storytelling going on, whether it's conscious or not. Maybe it's just sometimes people do things and you just go on a journey when you mm -hmm. listen to it. Um, and I've always been interested in the idea of, like, I view electronic music as being songwriting as much as, like, Bob Dylan right. or something like that. And it feels to me like with these albums that you've done, they do feel like they're, they're songwriting albums and mm. they're songwritten mm. albums in their own way. Am I off? Off with that? Off, no, I, I, I think that's something. Uh, it's it's exactly what I'm trying to do, but it's hard to explain when you make electronic music because most people think of, um, let's say, tracks. Track, track is different than compared to a song, obviously. But from I have this uh, strange. Um, I have a. I'm always. I like good pop music and I like songs. I like folk music. I like. Yeah, that's like, I like melodies also. Mm -hmm. People sometimes in electronic music, they hate melodies. They don't want to hear a melody, but I still like them and I continue to, to put them out. And, um, for me, it's, it's just, a yeah, it's, it's that's, that is what's, what, um, yeah, defines my music, I would say. Exactly what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's great. Cause I think like, I mean, my personal favorite of all of your songs, mm -hmm. it, the one like, you know, that I feel like I've had, an experience with myself is forgive me i said the title wrong vilky yeah um yeah just because like i it to me it was quite personal because i was moving into an apartment with a girlfriend at the time and that was the, the music she introduced me to your work this was years ago and this was the music that we were unpacking the <laughs> flat to and kind of sorting it out and it had this kind of beautiful kind of craftwork-esque kind yeah, of yeah melody going on but with this really sort of sub club Volume. Yeah, interesting. You mentioned that, uh, this because um, just recently, I someone um, told me he um, he had trouble in his relationship, and they actually brought up, and then that was exactly the day when he discovered Wilkie, and for him it was that kind of mood. Mm. It was for him it was somehow uplifting at the same time. Also, it fit his like. Yeah, um, he's like very sad feelings. Mm. And I think that's interesting because it means the song, I mean, at least means something either way. You know, it, it could be, yeah, as you said, like you move to a new apartment and everything is like, uh, that's really interesting to hear. Yeah. One of the reasons why you make music, I guess. No? Right, to sort of have a communication. Yeah. 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 And, and um, with, with, with the possible hopeful reemergence of of DJing and, and playing out live what what are the things that you just love the most about that kind of live connection with 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 audiences for me it's like when you enter a room or when you're part of a room that is that is totally drawn into the music and in, into the like moment and you have this incredible feeling of to it's a cliche again, but it's a kind of togetherness when you when you have this room and people loss uh, losing themselves in the music is something very beautiful to see. Mm. It's 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 uh, it's something very um, profound and very old. I think it's it's like it's like written in human history. Mm. I would say in in, in, in mankind per se. No? It's uh, and that is something that is definitely created in a, in in a club or maybe even on a festival but I would say in clubs that's where I experience it the most mm. because it has this cave feeling mm. and this is dates back to 
ten thousands of years back, you know, where people already had those experiences. I would say it, it has something very uh, spiritual, like a spiritual core, mm. even though you have to pay a few euros at the door. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's a price. Roman, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you very much. Okay, that was Roman Flugel talking with me, Paul Hanford, for Lost and Sound. That conversation happened on May the 7th in a secret studio location in Berlin. And it happened face to face. Oh my God, it was so nice to do a face to face interview. I'm really happy that Roman made it so welcoming and safe, uncomfortable for the conditions to do that in. And do you know what? I was so nervous beforehand because apart from my little bubble of friends that I go for walks in the park with, and, you know, like little exchanges in, in the coffee shop with the barista, the nice baristas as I, I'm getting my morning coffee or in Biomarkt with a mask on. I've had such little social contact to so go and, to go and do a face to face interview. I, I almost kind of, it felt like going to work for the first time. You know, when you start a new job or you go back to school after the summer holidays, I was really nervous. I almost just didn't want to do it. But do you know what? The, the amazing thing was, was because the circumstances and the situation was so, calm around and roman such a gentleman such a kind of calm nice guy it's just like i just totally forgot about everything going on we just had a chat and it was really lovely and obviously we touched on the pandemic during it but it was just a really nice sign because i've had a lot of conversations recently where we've all gone like people have gone and i've gone like is normal when things go back to normal are we going to feel are we going to be left with weird things and maybe we will and i i don't know but i maybe i will and I, i've definitely picked up quite a lot of ocd habits but just talking doing an interview face to face in a safe environment i just totally forgot i just totally felt normal i felt like a human being and it felt like a really good sign to me that there's so much in us that we're we're social beings and i think what roman is saying as well about the the that we're social beings and we need to commune on on the dance floor or in spaces or or however we choose to do it like these kind of shared experiences are are part of they're natural to us and and being in a situation where that in a very small way was allowed to happen again i realized how natural they are and a lot of the things i was worried about of like oh my god will i remember how to talk to someone they just go they're just easy you just do it it just happens it's amazing we have these amazing abilities to just do this um so thank you roman thank you roman flugel thank you so much for chatting with me on lost and sound on may the 7th 2021 the day his album eating darkness hit the stores thanks for listening today um lost and sound is written and produced by me paul hanford title music by eso there's a link to eso's work in the podcast description 
thanks to Kieran Yates in the UK, who always does a little bit of a mastering job. Uh, this episode is also being co-hosted by Bear Radio, and you can check out other English language podcasts by going on bearradio.org. I don't know why my voice went so there, but also, if you enjoyed the show, please hit subscribe and leave a comment. It really, really does help. It really helps spread the word and it helps me make really hopefully even better and better content for you i really hope you have a lovely one um it is so sunny in berlin today i feel i might even have to forfeit another hot coffee because it's just too warm for that i love it take care bye-bye <laughs>